Praise God. Shalom, shalom to another Thursday, to another Torah portion. Amen. Praise God. Let's make sure that, that we share this teaching for today. Pray that it blesses each and every single one of you. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Shalom, shalom to everyone who is joining. Praise God. Amen. Let's take the time to be able to share this teaching. Let's make sure that we have our Bibles ready and, and uh, whatever it is that we use to be able to take notes. Amen. Today I won't be, I won't be very long. I'm just going to cover one of, only one of the chapters out of this Torah portion, out of the three. But I know it's gonna be it's gonna be a blessing, amen. Praise God. Let's give it one more minute and we will begin. So it's 8:03. It's 8:03. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start um, as I usually do. Um, I usually start with the announcements, and then I'll go and um, start with prayer, and then we'll go to the Torah teaching. Amen. So our announcements, as as we usually give, it's our Sabbath services that we have every week. Amen. Um, at 11 a.m. every Saturday, and at 11:30 a.m. we go live on YouTube. So please, you know, you can join us. It's in One Spirit Miami Church. You can go to our YouTube page and subscribe. Make sure to click the little bell so you can always know when we're live. Amen. And of course, our, our Torah portions that we have every Thursday at 8 p.m. Amen. And also, we are very, very happy that we also have um, this other platform, which is our podcast, that if you don't have the opportunity to be able to see us live, uh, to be able to watch any of the videos, you can always um, join any of our pod podcasts, which we have uh, a great blessing and an opportunity that we have a brother who helps us and assist us with this, because now we have 11 different podcasts that we that our congregation is a part of, and it's a great blessing, amen. So the the podcast that we're uh, we that we're in is, and of course our biggest ones are Apple, Google, and Spotify. We're also part of Radio Public, Anchor, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, PocketCast, Stitcher, and Reason. So what a blessing that we get to connect to, to many, 
many nations. Amen. Because we want to uh, uh, to be able to spread the word to all the nations. Praise God. Shalom, shalom. Shalom to my mom. Shalom to Lena. Thank you all for joining. Let's make sure that we are sharing this teaching. Praise God. Amen. Um, and the next announcement that I want to give is our prayer. It's about, very, very important. Amen. Every uh, Tuesday at 5 a.m., we gather together to pray. And every Friday um, for Sabbath at 8 p.m., we gather to pray as well over Zoom. So if you are interested um, to join any of, um, whether it's Tuesday, whether it's Fridays, to be able to gather together and to intercede, uh, please let any, let any of us know and we'll be glad to be able to give you the link to the Zoom so like that you can join us for prayer. Amen. Praise God. So I'm going to begin. I'm going to begin with prayer and then we go and begin the Torah, the Torah portion. Amen. Give me one second. Okay. So let's begin with prayer and we'll go from there. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we get to gather together, O oh Lord, and in unity and in the heart, O oh Lord, to be able to come and learn from your word, O oh Lord. Thank you, my God, because you teach us so many things, O oh Lord. Help us, my God, Lord, to be students of your word, my God. Help us, O oh Lord, to be able to understand, my God, every time that we open your word and, and that we read it, O oh Lord, that you may show us, my God, and grant us revelation, O oh Lord, and you may teach us your ways, my God. We want to come before you, O oh Lord, and we ask you for forgiveness that you may cleanse us, that you may purify us, O oh Lord, that you may see our hearts, my God, and that you may see our minds, O oh Lord, that if there's anything, my God, that it's not of yours, O oh Lord, we pray, my God, that you may uproot it, O oh Lord, and you may cleanse us, my God, and that you may, you may cleanse our minds, my God, and may our thoughts, my God, and all that we are, O oh Lord, may it be aligned to you, O oh Lord. We bless your holy name and we honor you and we worship you, my God. We also want to take the time, O oh Lord, to be able to pray, my God, for those who are sick in this time, for those who have lost a loved one, O oh Lord, recently, my God, because I've been just hearing so many, um, especially in my job, O oh Lord, people that they've been losing their lives, O oh Lord, and I just pray, my God, for those families, O oh Lord, who have lost a loved one, my God. I pray, my God, that you may give them strength, O oh Lord. I pray that you may give them comfort. I pray, my God, that you may send someone, O oh Lord, that if they don't know you, my God, that they may, that you may send someone to speak to them, O oh Lord. And Abba Father, that they may be able to um, draw near to you, so you may draw near to them, O oh Lord, because your word says, my God, that you are close to the brokenhearted, O oh Lord. And right now, in this time, there are so many people who are losing, who are losing loved ones, O oh Lord. And we pray, my God, your mercy upon those families, my God, and you may grant them peace, you may grant them shalom in this time. And that you may restore those who are sick, my God, and that you may, Abba Father, every organ in their body, O oh Lord, that you may extend your healing hand, my God, and you may restore and make all things new, O oh Lord. We bless your holy name. We honor you, O oh Lord. We lift your name on high, O oh Lord, for you deserve all the glory and all the honor, my God. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. So today's Torah portion is going to be a Torah portion, uh, Yitro, Jitro. Uh, that's the Hebrew word for Jethro. So we're going to be covering Yitro. And it is the 17th Torah portion. The 17th Torah portion. Amen. 
Uh, but before um, I start um, digging into the actual Torah portion, um, I wanted to kind of like recap a little bit um, with the previous chapters. Amen. Just for us to kind of get an idea, you know, uh, the purpose you can say for, for chapter 18. Amen. Um, because we had a lot going on, right, since the beginning of, um, of the book of Exodus when we started with um, Parashat Shemot, right? So we're going to go and we're just going to skim through uh, some of the some of the chapters. And like I said, um, today I'm just going to be covering chapter 18 of the of the Torah portion, because this Torah portion covers um, Exodus 18, verse one through um, chapter 20, verse 23. Um, and then you have the Brit Hadashah or the prophets, it's the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 1, through chapter 7, verse 6, and it also covers chapter 9, verse 5 through 7, and then you have uh, the uh, the Gospels, which is First Peter, chapter 2, verse 4 through 10, amen? So, um, but like I said, today I'm just going to be covering chapter 18, um, and then we'll go from there, amen? So I just wanted to uh, recap a little bit with the previous chapters. Um, like I said, we had a lot going on with the previous chapters. And just for us to um, better understand once we get to um, chapter 18. So when we go to Exodus, and starting in the book of Shemot, we already start seeing in chapter 1, we start seeing the oppression. Okay, We start seeing the oppression that's occurring in the land of Egypt with the Israelites, right? So we see how um, we have all of the, the, the Israelite nations in, um, in Egypt, right? That's when prior, the, the reason why the Israelites were there, because remember from, from way before in Genesis, um, it all started with um, Joseph, right? When um, Joseph, uh, what, what the brothers did with him, then Joseph ended up in Egypt, right? Because the Ishmaelites came and they purchased him and then they were on their way to Egypt. And then that's when, pretty much when, when everything started, when uh, the Israelites started by abiding in Egypt. So then we start seeing uh, the leader that was over um, Egypt, right? Uh, the, the new leader, they didn't know because once um, Joseph and his brothers, all of them had passed away, the new leader did not know or did not recognize Joseph and his people. The previous one did, right? But then the one who's who's there at the moment did not know them, okay? Did not know the line of Joseph and his family. So they started dealing very cruelly with them, right? They started being oppressing them and they started doing a lot of things to them because, like I said, that, that specific leader, that specific pharaoh did not know Joseph and the line of his family. And then um, also what was occurring in chapter one as well of Exodus was there was a decree that was placed. There was a decree that was placed to be able to kill the male babies. Okay. And um, whenever you study the word, you always want to like, when you see certain things or certain phrases, you always want to compare, right? You want to see um, the old, um, the old Testament. And then you also want to connect with the New Testament, because remember, the New Testament is basically just a continuation or it's just being repeated, whatever was already said from the beginning. But you're always going to see a lot of connections with what's going on in the Old Testament 
and you're going to see a lot of connections with Yeshua. Amen. And that's the main thing when we're studying. We want to make sure that when we're studying and as we're studying that it, that within the chapter that we're reading, we find Yeshua. We find a connection to him. Amen. Because everything leads to him. Amen. So that's what was occurring um, in um, chapter one. And then, of course, we know that the midwives who feared the Lord, right, uh, they, they didn't follow the decree. So basically they were they were putting their life um, in the line for these babies. So even though they lied, but, you know, the Lord did forgive them for what they did because they were trying to preserve life. OK, they were trying to preserve life and that's what they did. And if we compare it even to today, we know we know what's going on today. We do have um, abortion clinics. We have uh, many things that's occurring nowadays of how they're trying to um, to kill, you know, uh, babies. Right. They're trying to kill, you know, the next um, generation. They're trying to, you know, do away with God's creation. So we see what's going on before. Remember, the, 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 the word of God is cyclical, so we know that what happened before is going to happen again. It's not just um, we have people or even, you know, believers that they're like, no, that's just what happened before. And it's, it's not, it's not going to ever happen again because that was, that was for back then. That's not, that's not for now, right? So that's what occurred in Exodus um, chapter 1. And then when we go to Exodus chapter 2, here's where we see uh, the birth of Moses, okay? So when we see the birth of Moses, it, it, chapter 2 starts off with, it says that there was a man from the house of Levi. So there was a man from the house of Levi who took a, um, a wife or one of the daughters of Levi. And they conceived and they bore a son and one of the sons was Moses. Because before Moses was born, it was Aaron and then his sister Miriam. But uh, here in, in this chapter, it begins with mentioning um, that they were from from Levi. So that's that's key and that's very important. So you want to make sure that you write that down. So they conceived and they bore a son and they, they were able to hide him for three months. And they did this in faith, you know, knowing that um, nothing was going to happen. Right. Uh, but once they couldn't hide him anymore, of course, they placed him in a basket. They put him in the Nile River. And we know that um, that Pharaoh's uh, daughter was the one who saw the basket. Then um, his sister was able to approach Pharaoh's daughter, right? And was able to ask, would you like one of the, the Hebrew nurses uh, to be able to nurse him? And um, she, she was given the green light, in other words, right? And then um, Moses' sister goes and, and gets her mom and... Um, and his mom was able to nurse him for the for the beginning um, two two years of his life, amen. And that was something that was key, and it was really important that had to occur, right? So as Moses grew up, we know that he started noticing and he started seeing the burdens of his brothers because that's already something that's already planted within him, right? Because if it wasn't within him, he would have been like, ah, you know. Here's a bunch of slaves, you know, and, and these leaders are doing whatever it is that they want with them and stuff like that. This is like the way of life because Moses was a baby and he grew up in an, an Egyptian environment, right? But that was already something that was placed inside his heart. He was seeing and he, he felt the burden of his brothers. He felt the burdens of his brothers. And he noticed um, how one of the Egyptians, right, was beating one of the, the, one of the Hebrews 
And then it got to the point where uh, Moses didn't really use his head correctly, you can say, right? Because when we're led, when a lot of times when we're led by emotions, we end up making decisions that that we shouldn't do, right? That it's not according to the word of God. And and Moses got to the point of killing an Egyptian. And when this was already brought up to, to the leaders, it was brought up to Pharaoh, then Moses had to flee for his life because they wanted to kill him. So Moses fled to the land of Midian. Okay. So when we when we go back, if you remember Midian, okay, when we go back to Genesis, this leads us back to Genesis 25. Amen. It leads us back to Genesis 25, verse 2. And we see here how um, Abraham, because you remember Sarah had already passed. Uh, uh, Abraham had bought um, a specific place or specific land to be able to bury Sarah, right? And then he ended up having another wife and her name was Keturah. And uh, Abraham and Keturah, they, they had uh, many children, right? Shalom to everyone who's joining. I see many who are connecting. Praise God. Make sure that you share Share this teaching. Amen. Thank you for joining. So when we go back to Genesis, then we see that Abraham and Keturah had several children. And one of the children that they had, his name was Midian. Okay. And that's something that you want to want to keep in mind. So Midian. Because um, we're going to see here that Midian or the Midianites, they come from what we just said. They come from Abraham. Amen. So we see here that, you know, at he goes to, you know, the land of Midian because that's where, you know, you can say that God led him there because he, he didn't just decide. He was fleeing, right? He was fleeing because they're trying to kill him. So he's going to go to, you know, the nearest place that he can find, right, to be able to settle. And when he got there to Midian, he sat, he sat by a well. And at the well, um, there were... Um, the daughters of the Median priest, and it was seven daughters who came that they were going to go to the well, and then they they had to you know get water to be able to water um, their father's flock, and then there were some shepherds that came and they were trying to drive the daughters of the of the Median priest away, but then you had Moses who came and and saved the day, right? He was the hero. He stood to defend them, and then the daughters of Median they went to go tell their father what Moses had done. And then uh, in the midst of all that, then you have the priest who gave one of his daughters to Moses, which her name was Zipporah. Okay. And um, Moses and Zipporah, they, they got married and they conceived and they bare two sons. One, um, his name was Gershom. Make sure you write that down, Gershom. Um, it can mean uh, outsider in a foreign land or a stranger in a foreign land. And then you have Eliezer, which means God is my helper. So make sure you write that down. Eliezer, God is my helper. And then we, we uh, go to chapter 3 and then we have how Moses um, encountered God um, in the burning bush, right? And how God commanded him to remove his sandals because... The place where he was standing at was holy ground. So prior to this, he was he was tending the flock of of Jethro, the the Median priest, and then he was as he was going with the flock, he was um, he ended up in the the mountain of God, and then this was where he had that encounter with God, and once he had it, that encounter with with God, and once he removed the sandals off his feet. Then is when God gave him instructions 
to do what he had to do. So we have, you know, we have the encounter. We have, you know, you had to remove your sandals before the Lord, right? Because it was holy ground. And then he was given instructions on what he had to do. And when we see here at the ending of uh, verse 12 of that chapter 3, it says, it says here that when you have brought the people out of Egypt, verse 12 of chapter 3, it says, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Okay. So in that specific verse, I put emphasis on two words because those are the two words that stood out to me when I read it. It says, when you have, because remember Moses, he was putting a lot of like ifs and or buts, like I can't do this or I can't do that. Okay. So it says, when you have brought the people, so it doesn't say you may, maybe you might, you know, it's, or, or it may not happen, but you know, if it does, you know, just do this. No, it doesn't say that. It says when you have, so Moses needed to remember that the when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So where he was at, meaning that he was going to be there again in the future. So when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Okay. So God was speaking to Moses and letting him know that he was going to bring out the people of Egypt, no matter how hard it was going to be. He was going to, and they were going to worship at that same place. Amen. So this is how, this is how we need to, amen. When God is speaking to us and if he gives us instructions, if he says, this is going to happen, then we need to ensure to, to remember, remember what his word says, be strong and courageous and go and do what it is that God has asked us to do. Amen. No matter how difficult the situation may be or whatever it is that you're facing, amen, you're going to go in the strength of the Lord. You're going to go with the word of God, amen. So no matter the difficulties that, that Moses was going to face, because he was going to face a lot of it, right, the people of God were going to be set free. Why? Because God said so. They were going to be set free, and they were going to be free from the bondage of Egypt, amen. When we go to the book of John, chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Amen, amen, I tell you, he who puts his trust in me, the Lord, the works that I do, he will do. And greater than these, he will do. So it, sa it says it very clear, amen. In John 14, 12, it says that the one who puts their trust in the Lord, the one who puts their trust in Yahweh, what does it say? The works that I do, he will do. So once you put your trust in the Lord, then you will begin to do the works that, that Yahweh did. And then it says, and it's going to be greater. And it's going to be greater. But we need to put our trust in him. Okay. There's three things that you want to see there in that verse. It says, to put your trust in him, the works that he does, you will do. And then it's going to be greater than the ones that, that he has done. Amen. So before anything, our trust needs to be placed in him before anything. And when we place our trust in him, as it says in Proverbs chapter three, verse five, it says not to lean on our own understanding, but we need to acknowledge 
him in all of our ways, then our paths will be straight. But if we don't, if we don't put our trust in him, if we don't acknowledge who he is, then we're going to be going in a crooked path. Then we're going to be going to the right or to the left when God commands us not to go neither to the right nor to the left. We need to continue going into that path that leads uh, directly to him. Amen. And then we have going into chapter four of Exodus, we have objections and excuses of Moses. And we can put ourselves in his shoes, right? We, we can say that we understand Moses because uh, we have either fear, you know, taking over. We're like, no, I don't, I don't think this is going to happen. You know, I feel too nervous about the situation. You know, I don't feel like I'm capable. I, I don't feel like I have, you know, what it is that they're asking for, for a specific position or, or for the calling that God has upon your life. You know, I, I don't think God can make it happen. Like we have faith for other people, but then we don't have faith for, for what God has for us. So, so we can put ourselves in Moses' shoes and, and, and we can give a list of, of the whys and the, and the nots to God, right? But, you know, no matter how many buts or how many like objections and excuses that Moses put, he still had to go and do what he had to do. <laughs> Amen. Because he was trying to find ways because he couldn't he couldn't speak or whatever, whatever the case may be. But God would find a way for him to go and do what it is that God, God called them to do. Amen. So we see the objections. We see the excuses of Moses. But then we see how God showed him the works that he would do through him. If they would not, if they would not believe, then he was going to, he was going to be sent by him. So basically God was showing him, these are the things that you're going to do because Moses kept on saying, they're not going to believe that I came, you know, in your name. Like, what am I supposed to do when I approach him and they say, no, you didn't, you know, that's not true. You're a liar, whatever the case may be. But then God said, these are the things that I need you to do. And then they're going to believe. But I need you to do what it is that I'm asking you to do. Right? And then we see after um, God tells them all these things, then Moses returns back to his father-in-law, Jethro. And he, could, and he had asked them if he can return to Egypt. So at that moment, he was still within the area of Midian. Okay? He was still within the area of Midian. But then he came to ask for permission for him to be able to go um, back to Egypt. Okay. Then we jump into Exodus five, right? And in Exodus five, we see how, um, Aaron and Pharaoh, because the Lord was using Aaron, his brother to be able to be a spokesperson for him to be able to go and, um, confront Pharaoh. So this is what occurred in Exodus five, Aaron and Moses, they go and they confront Pharaoh. Pharaoh, of course, as, as the word of God says that Adonai was the one who hardened Pharaoh's heart, right? He was the one who hardened Pharaoh's heart. So Pharaoh refused to let um, God's people go. And he wasn't going to provide because before they would provide all the materials that they needed to be able to do the work, to be able to do the labor. And because he was refusing and he became upset or whatever the case may be, right? And um, they had to go and find all the materials and they had to do the labor all within the same time as they used to do it before when the stuff, when the, the material was provided for them. So they had to do even more work. So, so Pharaoh was even more, you know, being more mean to them, you can say, and being, you know, more upset with them, right? 
and causing all this, this oppression and causing all this burden upon the people, right? Um, so it started to in intensify. So they had more work upon them. And I remember I had made a comparison before that something similar that what's happening today, right? That they're, 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 all the workload is even more, but then there's less people, you know, for the jobs. There's less hands or there's less hours or they're being paid less money, right? That's what's happening um, today. So we, and then we see here uh, within the chapter five in verse 22 through 23, it says that Moses returns um, to God and questions him, which he, he dared himself to, to question him, right? And says at the end of verse 23, you have not delivered your people at all. So when you go to verse 22 and 23 of chapter five, I was like, oof, like <laughs> when he had spoke that way, I'm like, you should be kind of scared for, for talking to God that way, right? Because we see here, it says, um, verse 22, So Moses returned to Adonai and said, Adonai, why have you brought evil on these people? Look how, how Moses is talking to God. Is this why you sent me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought evil on these people. You have not delivered your people at all. And it kind of sounds similar if you, th if you think about it, the way that he was, he was coming... He was confronting God this way is, is the same way that the people of Israel were, were complaining to him. Oh, so you brought us out of Egypt to, you know, for us to die? Oh, you know, we're here in the middle of nowhere and what are we supposed to do now? Or we're here before the sea, what are we supposed to do now? So it sounds kind of similar, right? But like I said, he dared himself to be able to talk to God that way. He was, he was pretty brave, right? But... He forgot because the way that he's speaking, you can see that he forgot what God had said. What was it that he said in verse 12? He says that he was going to bring the people out of Egypt and he was going to return back to the place where he was at, where he had, he had encountered the Lord. Amen. And that's what happens to us. We forget. We forget many times what God has spoken to us. We forget many times what his word says when we are confronting uh, difficult situations in our life. When we're in the midst of having to wait and we're like, you know, God, like, you know, time is going by. You know, I'm here counting the days, you know, the minutes, the hours. I'm marking it on my calendar and I still don't see that it's, you know, it's happening. What's going on, God? You know, you said that this was going to happen. And it's just like how Moses said here, you haven't delivered, you know, you haven't brought what it is that I'm asking for, you know, and, and, and it's, we say all these things, right? But we need to remember what his word says, that if God tells us to trust him, if God tells us to be strong and courageous, if God tells us to remember his promises, right? We need to ensure that we hold on to God and that we have faith. So we need to be continuously connected to his word. That's the only way that we will be able to persevere that's the only way that we will be able to have the victory because if we do it in our flesh and in our own strength we're not going to make it we're not going to make it we're going to be guided by our emotions right and we're going to have so many things on us and we're going to make choices that are that are not the correct ones so we always want to make sure that we are aligned to his word amen and then we jump to um, chapter six and we see here how God remembers his covenant. Amen. He remembers his covenant 
with his people. And we can see it here in verse 6 through 8. And it says, Therefore, say to B'nai Israel, say to the children of Israel, I am Adonai, and I will, here we see it, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. It says, I will. So we always want to remember God's word, that if God says, I will, we know that he's going to do it. It's not going to happen in our time, but God said that he would. Amen. I will deliver you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you, verse 7, I will take you to myself as a people, and I will be your God. You will know that I am Adonai, your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and give it to you as an inheritance. I am Adonai. So we need to remember the I wills. The I wills of God. Amen. And then we go... Um, between um, Exodus 7 through chapter 11. Uh, basically, it's speaking all about uh, the ten plagues, right? Through, through those things. But prior to, prior to the ten plagues, when we go to... Let me see here. One of the things that had occurred, which we want to keep in mind, I forgot to, to put it here, that we want to keep in mind was Moses' staff, okay? Because that's something that I, that I want you to write down. And I'm sure some of you know. So we want to keep in mind Moses' staff. So the specific verse that speaks about how Moses' staff was, had become into a snake. So Moses, when Moses had put his staff down, it turned into a snake. But then you also had Pharaoh's magicians, right, who were performing the same the same thing, and they threw um, their staffs, and then the, their staffs also became snakes as well. But then, what was it that occurred? It was uh, Moses' staff, the snake had had devoured or had had swallowed the the magician's um, staffs or the magi the magician's snakes. Amen. So let's go to um, Numbers. If anybody can write that for me, Numbers chapter twenty-one. Let's go there right quick. Numbers chapter twenty-one. I pray that you guys so far are receiving from the recap. So we have Numbers chapter 21. Okay, so remember, I had mentioned about Moses' staff. So we see here, Numbers chapter 21. It says, When the Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming along to the road to Atharim, he attacked Israel and captured some of them. Then Israel vowed to Adonai and stated, If you deliver this people into our hand, we will put their cities under the band of destruction. Adonai listened to Israel's plea and delivered up the Canaanites. They put them and they put them and their cities under the band of destruction. So the name of the place was called Horma. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Sea of Reeds in order to go around the land of Edom. The spirit of the people became impatient along the way. The people spoke against God and Moses. So listen what's going on here. They spoke against God and Moses. And it says, Why have you brought us from Egypt to die in the wilderness? 
because there is no bread, no water, and our very spirits detest the despicable food. So look how they're talking. So Adonai sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against Adonai and you. So they recognized they sinned after they did it, <laughs> even though they know they shouldn't have done it, right? So this is why we need to keep the word of God in our mind to prevent from sinning. It says, pray to Adonai for us that he may take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. So you can see how much Moses loved the people of Israel. Verse 8, Adonai said to Moses, make yourself a fiery snake and put it on a pole. Whenever anyone who has been bitten will look at it, he will live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And it happened that whenever a snake bit anyone and he looked at the bronze snake, he lived. So keep this chapter in mind, okay? Keep this chapter in mind. It's very important. And then John 3.14. Let me go right quick to John 3.14. So then, we just finished reading the book of Numbers, and then what does John 3.14 say? John chapter 3.14, it says, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Wow. So what did we just read of what was occurring before that because of uh, what they did and the sin that they committed, you know, and then um, the, the serpents were, had bitten uh, the people, many people had died. But then afterwards, once Moses did what he did and he lifted up the bronze snake, whoever was bitten and was to look at the bronze um, snake that was lifted, they would live. And then what does it say here? Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the son of man must be lifted up, right? So that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So he was, he was on a cross, right? All the sins were on him. And then because of what he did, he resurrected, came to life. We have eternal life. Amen. So let's keep going. And then we have in Exodus 12... It speaks about the Passover lamb. It speaks about the Passover lamb and the instructions of what they had to do with the Passover lamb. Because what was Adonai planning to do? Because of everything that occurred, all the ten plagues and everything that had happened, Adonai was going to um, strike the firstborn, the firstborn um, of the families and the firstborn of the animals as well. And if we go to First Peter, let's go to First Peter. We're going to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 21. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 21, and it says, You know that you were redeemed from the futile way of life, handed down from your ancestors, 
not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with precious blood like that of a lamb, without defect or spot, the blood of Messiah. Amen. The blood of Messiah. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your trust and hope are in God. Amen. And we continue in Exodus 13. We see here um, how the, we, needed, we need to remember. We need to remember where God has taken us out of. So the people of God needed to remember that time when they exited Egypt. And that's one of the things that we do when we're celebrating Passover. We're remembering, you know, what had occurred, right, with the 10 plagues. But we're also remembering how the outstretched arm of Yahweh, how his mighty um, hand was the one who took him out of Egypt. So we need to remember. And then we see here and also in chapter thir uh, 13, the redemption of the firstborn. So they were commanded to set the firstborn apart. Okay, then when we go into chapter 14, then we see how, how the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds was parted. And there was a purpose for this. You know, it wasn't just for them to see, you know, this show that was going on and, and how, you know, that we had Pharaoh and, and his kingdom that they were going after them. And then they were all spooked and they were about to die. Right. And then Moses takes the staff and the sea parts. It, it's, it wasn't a movie for this wasn't supposed to be a movie time for them. Right. This was a moment that because of them being so many years in Egypt, this was a time of purification. This was a time of purification for them. So, yes, they once they got to the Sea of Reeds and the, and it parted and they were walking in dry land. This was a, sim, a symbolism of them being purified. Amen. And this is something that we need to do every day. We need to ensure that when we're reading the, the word of God, that the word of God we're receiving the word of God and we're letting the word of God cleanse us. We're letting the word of God cleanse our hearts and we're letting the word of God cleanse our minds. Amen. Because they, they were they were a part of a, a pagan environment because everything that has had to do with Egypt was paganism. So God needed them to be purified. God needed them to, to go through 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 that um, through that stage. He could have taken them somewhere else. You know, to some some way to be able to go around, but no, they had to be purified, because when we go before the Lord, the Lord, you know, through His Word, He purifies us, He cleanses us, Amen. And then we see in in uh, the book of, of course, Exodus, in in chapter fifteen, we see the song of Moses and Miriam, and then we see how um, the bitter waters were made sweet in this chapter. And in chapter 16, we see manna from, from coming down from heaven. So that was something that it's not very common because, of course, we don't we don't see that much nowadays. Right. You know, we don't, you know, randomly see, hey, look, now I got a, a burger coming from heaven or something like that. Right. And just making light of it. Uh, but we see here what God did. This is how much even though they complained so much. You know, God and his mercy and his love, he provided for them. So so they didn't lack anything when they were in the wilderness. That even though they, they complained, I want this and I want that, God provided manna from heaven. So this was food from heaven, directly from heaven. But then let's go to John. We're going to be visiting the book of John a lot. Let's go to John 6.33. 
which I'm sure some of you are probably already know what I'm going to read. John 6.33, and what does it say? For the, for the bread of God, for the bread of God is the one coming down from heaven and giving life to the world. And who is the bread of God? Anyone can type it there. Who is the bread of God? We know that the bread of God is Yeshua. So he was the one who came down, right, from heaven here on earth. So manna from heaven. He is the bread who came from heaven down here to earth. So these are things that we, we need to find and we need to compare when we are studying. Amen. Because everything needs to lead to who? To Yeshua when we're studying. Amen. And then we come to uh, chapter 17 of Exodus. So we see here in chapter 17 of Exodus, of course, once again, the people are are complaining, they're quarreling, you know, and, and they're, you know, they're thirsty because there's no water to drink. And of course, they're, they're coming at Moses. And then of course, Moses, he could only take so much. And then he goes, he goes to God, and then God has to give him instructions, right? God has to give him instructions. And we see how God commanded Moses, remember, keep, keep in mind on the staff, so that that staff was always with him. And we had read it before. So God commanded Moses to take his staff, right, and to strike the rock and water would come out, okay, to get the staff and strike the rock and water would come out. But then when we go to the book of Psalms, chapter 18, verse 3, what is one of the things that's, what is one of the things that it says there? In, in Psalm chapter 18, verse 3, it says that Adonai is my rock. Adonai is my rock. So Moses took the staff, he struck the rock, and water came out of it. Okay? But then when we go to John chapter 19, let's go to John 19. Okay? And it's going to be verse 32 through 34. So John 19, verse 32 through 34. And it says, So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then the other who had been executed with Yeshua. So it was Yeshua and the two thieves that were on the side. Verse 33, Now when they came to Yeshua and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Okay, blood and water came out. So this, this is amazing, right? The comparison that, that we see. Amen. And then in, uh, when we go back to Exodus um, 17, after um, this had occurred, um, and the Lord had provided water for them, right? Then we see that there is, there is a war that broke out. There is a war that broke out with the Amalekites. Okay. So this is the first time that Israel and um, the people of God and the Amalekites have this, have this war, have this confrontation. But then there's, there's a purpose uh, for this to happen. And it happens right, uh, right before going into the, uh, the Torah portion for today. So we have here... Um, the Amalekites, right? So who are the who is Amalek or who are the Amalekites? 
So Amalek is the son of Eliphaz, okay, Eliphaz or Eliphaz, um, who is, um, whose father is Esau, okay, and we already know the, the story of Esau and what he did and how he lost his birthright with Jacob, right, um, and then Esau, we know he is from Edom, so we have the descendants who are the, the Edomites, okay, so we have the Amalekites, the Edomites, they're all, they're all in the same bowl, in other words, right, so the Amalekites were the first enemy of Israel right before crossing the red uh, the Sea of Reeds. So they and they had to confront in this war. So we see here how Moses went up the hill together with Aaron and and her. And and his arms were held up and and, and then we see that Joshua had overpowered the Amalekites. Now, I thought because sometimes my mind, I start thinking things and stuff like that, and I'm not saying that, you know, this may be right, but it's just a, it's just a thought, you know, that I want to share. But isn't it interesting how um, we just read in the book of John that, you know, Yeshua, and then you had the, the two thieves, which is like, you know, there was three, and then you have here, you know, Moses and Aaron, right? And then Yeshua, you know, he he died, and of course, we got the victory, all the sins were were upon him. We know we know the story, right? And then we have here Moses, Aaron, and Ur. It's also three people. And then um, when his arms were raised, that's when um, they would have the victory. But if, if his arms would go down, they wouldn't have the victory. So I thought that was kind of interesting when I was kind of like thinking that I, as I was reading. But Joshua had overpowered them um, because Aaron and Ur um, kept Moses' arms up. So Adonai spoke to Moses. And then we see here in uh, verse 14 of chapter 17, it says that it, he was supposed to write it for a memorial in this book. So this is something that we were supposed to we're, we're supposed to remember. It says for a memorial in this book. So there's a reason why that we should keep this in mind. OK, because even though Joshua overpowered, you know, the Amalekites, it doesn't mean that the Amalekites stop right there. You know that the descendant stops right there. It's it's gonna con uh, the Amalekites are still here today. Its descendants are still here today. Okay, so Adonai had spoken to him and told Moses to write this as a memorial in this book. So this is something to keep in mind and to remember. And it continues to say, and rehearse it in the hearing of Joshua, and rehearse it in the hearing of Joshua, for I will utterly blot out the memory of the Amalekites from under heaven. So yes, they overpowered him at the moment, but that means that in the coming future, they're going to be blotted out. They're going to be erased. They're going to be cut off from under heaven. Okay. So when we look at the name, of course, Joshua in Hebrew is Yehoshua and Yehoshua means Yeshua saves. Okay. And we see how Joshua was the one who went into battle. And as Moses was on, on top of the hill with Aaron and her, right, then they overpowered the Amalekites, right? But then we see here, as I mentioned before, who are the Amalekites? But who are the Amalekites today? Yes, we know that in that time, the Amalekites were the enemy of Israel, right? But then who are the Amalekites today? Who are the descendants of Edom today? Okay. Now, as I was reading and I, and I was listening to teachings, then there's some that say um, that the descendants of Edom are, they come from the nation of Europe, from all of the nation of Europe's because of the, 
I believe it's the Dukes and the and the Chiefs that they have and from positions that they have in Europe and then they um, some say that it's the it's comes from the descendants come from the Roman um, Catholic Church okay but within both of these right within both of these we know that there's people who are in very high positions both in the Roman uh, Catholic religion and in um, in the Europe nations okay we know that that the Roman Catholic Church um, they were the ones who began to change the ways of how one should truly worship God. Okay, they were the ones who changed the ways of how we should truly worship God. They were the ones who changed the day uh, from Shabbat or from Saturday uh, to Sundays, because in their minds they consider themselves higher than God. They thought that they had the right to go and to switch it from from Sabbath to Sunday. Because they believe that they have all this power or, or they're in these high positions to do to do such a thing. And today, the spirit of, of Amalek still exists. How does it still exist? Well, it actually exists within the church. So what does that mean? So basically, from what I just said, that it all started with the Roman Catholic Church, how they started taking away the true worship, you know, to Yahweh, to taking away the day of worship, following the Torah, following, you know, the instructions. They were the ones who started changing all of that. So what is the spirit of Amalek? It's just that. Not following Torah, not following the statutes, not following the precepts, not following the feast. That's what the spirit of Amalek is. That they 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 go against all those things. They don't they don't they don't worship God that way because they follow the way that they've always been taught, right? They follow into the traditions of man. They follow the, the theologies that they were taught. That is the spirit of Amalek that exists today. Okay. And how can we come against this spirit? It's not, it's not a matter of, oh, I'm, I'm going to be yelling to the top of my lungs. I'm going to be rebuking. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing that. Absolutely not. Okay. Because we were there one time, right? And we always talk about it. But we, we always say how grateful we are because God has opened our eyes and has granted us understanding of what his what is what he's saying in his Torah. Right. So the way that we come against the spirit, it's not in any kind of way or form or how, how we've you know been taught before. The way that we come against the spirit is with love. That's how we come against the spirit. Whoever is is you can say, you know, who has the Amalek spirit, we come to them with love with the love of god teaching them this is what the word of god says we come you know with a humble spirit that's how we can come against this spirit okay because as i said we were there once we followed those ways but god opened our eyes and he is teaching us amen he is teaching us and and we are here to be able to teach others we are here to be able to teach others and we are to do it in love amen so we also see here at the end of chapter 17 how Moses built an, uh, an altar and he called it Adonai Nisi. Adonai Nisi. And it goes on to say that Adonai, and it says it there, the word will, it says Adonai will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So we see this today and it's occurred from generation to generation how people butt, butt heads, right? 
when they're like, no, it's all about grace. It's all about this and that or whatever. The law was done away with. So there's always going to be, because it says that they are war against Amalek from generation to generation. Okay. But when we go into the book of Obadiah, and when we go to Obadiah chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 8 through 10, let's go to Obadiah. It's right after the book of Amos. Okay, so Obadiah 8 through 10, it says, In that day declares Adonai, Will I not destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the hill country of Esau? Verse 9, Then your mighty men, O Teman, will be shattered, so everyone will be cut off from the hill country of Esau by slaughter. Verse 10, Because of your violence to your brother Jacob, to your brother Jacob, shame will cover you and you will be cut off forever. Amen. That it will be cut off forever. So it says there, that's the reason, yes, the Lord is Adonai is having war from generation to generation, but it's going to get to a point. And that's the reason why Moses had to write this for a memorial in the book, because we could not forget. We cannot forget that God said it from before that Amalek was going to be cut off from under heaven. And we see it here in the book of Obadiah, that, that the, the, the descendants of Edom, of Esau, they were going to be cut off because of the violence that they had against their brother Jacob. And I'm sure some of you, you've maybe experienced some, I'm not going to say violence in the physical, but maybe you've had an exchange of words. It could be with families, it could be with friends, it could be with church members, right? that they don't see eye to eye when it comes to following the Torah because they, they call it a Jewish thing, right? When it isn't, right? We are here to follow the instructions of God. We are here to follow the instructions of Yahweh. That's why it's called the instructions of Yahweh. It doesn't say the instructions of the Jewish people. It doesn't say the feast of the Jewish people. It doesn't say that this is the, the Sabbath of the Jewish people. No, this is a Sabbath that God gave to us, his children. These are the feasts that are the feast of the Lord. These are the feast of Yahweh. And then the Torah, which is the instructions of Yahweh. Amen. It all leads back to him. So we see that in the book of Obadiah, that we see that there's going to be the coming uh, um, um, destruction of that spirit of Amalek. And it's going to be cut off forever. And then we come to chapter 18, which is the Torah portion Yitro, right? The Torah portion Yitro, and we see that Yitro is derived from the Hebrew word Yeter, Y-E-T-E-R, Yeter, which means abundance, okay? Abundance. Um, and then, like as I mentioned in the beginning, this is the 17th um, Torah portion, of, and this, the number 17 means overcoming the enemy, Okay, overcoming the enemy, and it also means complete victory. Okay, complete victory. So when we go to um, chapter 18, I want to read the first uh, four verses, and it says, Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, and Moses' father-in-law heard about everything, so heard about everything that God had done for Moses and for his people, Israel, and how Adonai had brought Israel out of Egypt. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken in Moses' wife, Zipporah, after he had sent her away with her two sons. So Zipporah 
and her two sons were with her father during this time that Moses was away. Okay? That's important. A one, one was named, so out of the sons, one was named Gershom because he said, I have been an outsider in a foreign land, so keep that in mind. I have been an outsider in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer because he said, For my father's God is my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Okay, so we see here that Jethro is a, is a Median priest, right? And when we go back into the book of Genesis, chapter 25, as I mentioned before, that the Median um, was one of the children of Abraham and Keturah. So we see that this goes back to Abraham. So Zipporah, right? And the children are descendants of Abraham. Okay. So everything that had occurred in the previous chapters, we see in the beginning of this chapter how Jethro had heard about everything that God had done for Moses and the Israelites. And how they were brought out of Egypt. And we see in verse 2 how Jethro had taken in Zipporah and her, and her two sons while Moses was away. Okay. I had mentioned before that yes, Median, right, was the, was the son of Abraham. And we've learned before that Abraham wasn't a Hebrew. Right. Because remember his father served other gods. Right. And that Abraham... Before, before he started doing, before he started hearing um, what he had to do in the future, right? In the long run, um, he was engrafted in. So he had to, he had to go away because God had commanded him, you need to leave your father's house. You need to leave your comfort zone with everything that you know to the land where I'm going to lead you to go, right? So that's what's happening to us today. Who are we today? We are foreigners in this land. We are strangers in this land. Okay? But then God is going to take us to where? To the land that he had promised since the beginning to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Amen? Because that's, that's, that's how it is since the beginning. That's where he was going to take us, to the land that he promised to them. So we are foreigners in this land. Okay. And then Eliezer, which means God is my helper. My helper, God is helping us in the midst of this journey that we're in. Yes, we're just like the Israelites. How many times haven't we complained? How many times have we say, God, I don't see it yet. God, you know, I'm asking for this and I don't see it. God, you know, you brought us this far, you know, to, to encounter this to encounter another giant, to encounter a sea that's before us, right? So let's continue reading. Verse 5 through 12. And it says, So Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses into the wilderness. Okay? Where he has encamped. So it's, it's very interesting how Zipporah and his children return back to Moses. Okay, keep that in mind. He had also told Moses, I, Jethro, your father-in-law, am coming to you along with your wife and your two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, then bowed down and kissed him. They asked each other about their, wel their welfare and went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law all that Adonai had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, as well as all the travail that had, uh, that had come upon them along the way. 
and how Adonai delivered them. Okay, we're going to read to verse 12. Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness that Adonai had shown. So he rejoiced. Okay, remember, he was, he was a pagan priest, but yet he's listening to all this, and he rejoiced when he saw the goodness that Adonai had shown to Israel since he had delivered them out of the out of the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 10, Jethro said, Blessed be Adonai. So he rejoiced first, and now, he, now he's blessing the name of Adonai. Blessed be Adonai who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know... Now I know that Adonai is greater than all the gods, since they had acted arrogantly against them. Okay, arrogantly, so like they, they had pride. Verse 12, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, presented a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. So maybe this was something that he was accustomed to doing with his other gods, but this time... He, he's doing it to the God of Israel, presenting burnt offerings and sacrifices. Aaron also came along with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, Moses' father-in-law, before God. So we see here, we see that Zipporah and the two sons had returned back to Moses, right? The number two um, can either mean um, union or division, but it can also mean the verification of facts by witnesses, okay? So it can mean also two witnesses. So the number two here could possibly mean either the two houses, right? The Judah or Israel, it can mean the two houses, or it could mean two witnesses, okay? Just as we've learned before, that when it comes to a specific issue or matter, we are to have at least two witnesses, okay? The same way that Yeshua, Right? Yeshua would call on heaven and earth as his witnesses. Okay, So Moses told Jethro everything that had happened. Right, We just read it. Everything that had happened, well, that what Adonai did with Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Right, And then we see how Jethro blessed, he, he rejoiced, and then he blessed the name of Adonai. Right? And as I said, he was, he was a pagan. He followed other gods. But Jethro heard. That's, that's the important uh, thing that I want you to see. It says in the beginning of the verse, it says heard. Jethro heard all the things that Adonai had done. And how we always know that famous verse, right? That faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Amen. So he heard all the things that Adonai had done. Amen. So when we have the opportunity to hear, right? about the wonders of God and the testimonies of God, right? And we get to see the goodness of God in people's lives. And this happens to all of us, I'm sure, that we feel something stirred up within us, right? Because it's, it's something that we can't explain because since we know the things that God has done in our lives, when we see it being done to someone else, we rejoice together with them. We also bless the name of the Lord together with them, right? When, when, when we see the goodness of God, when we see the hand of God um, in others who are around us. Amen. And this is what Jethro did. This is what Jethro did. And when we see here in verse 11, we see how he recognized who Adonai was. And he, saw, and he recognized that he was greater than all the other gods. And then in verse 12, 
when he did the burnt offering and the sacrifice to God, there he was making a covenant with God. So Jethro, Jethro made the, the decision to make a covenant with God. Mm -hmm. Just like how Abraham did. Amen. So let's continue reading verse 13 through 18 of chapter 18. The next day, Moses sat to, to judge the people. Okay. And they stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What's this you're doing to the people? And then right here he, he says, Why sit by yourself alone with all the people standing around from morning until evening? So he's saying, Why are you doing this alone? Verse 15, Moses answered his father-in-law, It's because the people come to me to inquire of God. Okay, when they have an issue, it comes to me and I judge between a man and his neighbor. So I make them understand God's statutes and his laws. Verse 17, but Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is no good. Verse 18, you will surely wear yourself out as well as these people who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. And of course, it's just Moses' By himself. It says here, you cannot do it alone by yourself. So imagine Israel, millions of people, right? And if and if you go and you bring a concern to, to Moses, he's gonna probably have to like write it down and say, I'll meet you in a couple of months because I have I gotta be here all day with you know X amount of people and, and I'm not gonna be able to answer your question right now at the moment. So I'm gonna give you an appointment for the next couple of months, right? So Jethro is noticing this, but he mentions twice that you that why first he questions why are you doing this alone? And then here in verse 18 he says, You cannot do this alone. Okay. So we see here how Jethro is trying to give Moses advice. Okay. When we go back to Exodus chapter 2. We see um, it mentions in the first in the first verse, it says that we see how a man from the house of Levi. OK, but when we go to Exodus chapter six, verse 20, it says that his name was Am Amram. So we see that Moses's father's name was Amram. So this was the man that was from the house of Levi. And then he took uh, as his wife a daughter of Levi. And in this same verse of, of chapter six, verse 20, it says that her name was Jochebed, Jochebed, okay? So we have Amram and Jochebed, who were the parents of Moses. But when we continue reading, right, because that's the only time technically we see how they mention Moses' father and mother, okay? But we don't see, we don't see how they mention them anymore, really, when we're reading through the chapters. But as you read, um, you can kind of see that he doesn't really have a father figure in his life. Okay. He doesn't have a father that's there to support him or guide him or give him advice. Why? Because we know, and we've learned that he was placed in a basket due to what they were trying to do to the, to the, to the male uh, children. Right. And the, and Pharaoh's daughter was the one who took him in and was going to begin taking care of him. But technically he didn't really have um, a male a uh, true uh, male role model or father in his life, right? But then, you know, the Lord, you know, when he had escaped Egypt, Yahweh was the one who led Moses 
to go to Midian. You know, out of all the places, he brought him directly to Midian, right? And then this is where he meets Jethro, his father-in-law. So when God is calling, you know, when God's calling upon your life, the God, the, the calling that he has for you, he is the one that's going to guide you. He is the one that's going to guide your every step, okay? Though you may not understand a lot of things, you may not understand the things that you may be going through or the things that had happened before, but the Lord is the one who ordains your steps. Amen. So this is what happened with Moses. He was the one who led him to go to Midian, okay, and to meet the people that he met. So when we seek him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our strength, he will guide us and he will speak to us. Because we see this in Moses' life. So we see here how Jethro is giving Moses advice. And basically Jethro is like a father figure to Moses. Amen. He is like a father figure to Moses here. He tells him here in verse 18, you cannot do it alone. You cannot do this by yourself. When we look into Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, right? When do we see this, this, this similar phrase? We see it here. We see that Yahweh says, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for the man to be alone. Let me make a well-matched helper for him. Okay? Though here in Exodus, what we're reading, it's not speaking of a husband and wife relationship, but it is mentioning here how Moses should not take this difficult task by himself. Okay, so make sure to write that down because we're going to we're going to get back to that. So let's continue reading verse 19 through 23. Now, listen to my voice. It says here, this is Jethro speaking to Moses. Now, listen to my voice. So Shema, I will give you advice and may God be with you. Okay, you represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. Enlighten them as to the statutes and the laws, and show them the way by which they must walk and the work they must do. But you should seek out capable men of truth who hate bribery, appoint them to be rulers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them judge the people all the time. Then let every major case be brought to you, but every minor case they can judge for themselves. Make it easier for yourself as they bear the burden with you. If you do the things as God as God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all these people will go to their places in shalom. Okay, so he had to shema. Moses had to listen. But then we see here, who did Yeshua, who did Yeshua leave us when he ascended to the Father? Okay, so remember in the beginning... Adam, he wasn't meant to be alone, and, and God was going to give him a helper. Here, Jethro is telling Moses that he cannot do this by himself, that he needs to get helpers to be able to help him. So who did Yeshua leave us when he ascended to the Father? What does it say in John chapter 14? John, John is our, our, our buddy today. John chapter 14. What does it say? Chapter 14, verse, let's read 15 through 21. 
And I know I passed my time. I thought I wasn't, but I passed my time. So verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, so he may be with you forever. And who's the helper? What does it say here in verse 17? The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him. You know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. In a little while, the world will no longer behold me, but you will behold me because I live. You will also live. Amen. Verse 20. In that day, you will know that I am that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. So Yeshua gave us a helper. Yeshua gave us a helper because we're not meant to, to walk this journey alone. We're not meant to do these things on our own. Yeshua gave us a helper, and it is the spirit of truth. And what is truth? What is truth? We've learned this in... Psalm 119, 142, and it says, Your justice is righteousness forever, and your Torah is truth. So his instructions, his word is truth. Yahweh sent us a helper, but we need to do our part, just as what we see here and what we're reading with Jethro and what he's telling Moses. So here he was telling him, we see in verse 19, it says, Now listen to my voice, I will give you advice, and may God be with you. But it says, you represent the people before God. So basically, he has to be an example, because he needs to, re he needs to represent the people before God. He needs to be an example, and how we need to be an example to those who are around us, and bring their cases to God, right? He told them to represent God. And then we see here, Right? He tells them, enlighten them as to the statutes and the laws and show them the way by which they must walk and the work they must do. So what does that mean? We need to ensure that we need to have a prayer life, right? And we need to ensure that we are students of the word because there is no way that we can enlighten people by the statutes of the Lord or the laws or show them the way that they must go if we are not students of the word. Amen. So we see here the advice that, that Jethro had provided for them. The advice that we, what we need to do is the advice we provide, right? The advice that we provide for the people or for whoever's around us, we need to ensure that it is based on the knowledge of the word of God. Amen. The advice that we provide must come from having the knowledge of the word of God. When we go to Proverbs chapter 12, Verse 18 through 19, it says, Reckless speech is like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Amen. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue for only a moment. Okay, so we need to ensure that what's coming out of our mouth, the words that we speak, it's the word of God. Okay, so Moses needed to make sure that he was an example. 
you know, representing the people of God before God. And this is how we need to we need to be today. We need to ensure that that we have our prayer life, that we are students of the word, and that we act in wisdom. We cannot speak out of emotion. We are to speak God's word. Amen. We also need to be careful, right, with the people that we surround ourselves with. Because what does it say here? It says here that Jethro was telling him, but you should seek out capable men. So that's one. You need to seek out capable men out of the people, out of all the people, men who fear God. So you need to ensure that the people that are surrounding you fear God. Okay? And what else does it say? Men of truth. Okay? And we already learned what truth is. The Torah is truth. So people who are in the same mindset as you. Okay? These are the people that you need to surround yourself with. Amen? These are the ones that were going to help him. Right? And then people who hate bribery. It says to appoint them to be rulers. Right? He was telling them there. So you need to ask yourself this question. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are they depositing in your life? Are they speaking words of life to you? Right? Do they pray for you? Do they help you according to the word? Because what does the what does Proverbs say? And I'm about to finish. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26 says, The righteous should choose their friends carefully. It says it right there. The righteous should choose their friends carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. Amen. Then we have Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says, He who walks with the wise men is wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. So we need to ensure that we're careful with who surrounds us. Who are the ones that, that we have around us to help us? Whether it's in our personal life, whether it's in our jobs, whether it's in our ministry, whatever it is. We need to ensure that we choose carefully, like how it says in Proverbs. Amen? And let's end uh, chapter 18. We're going to read 24 to 27, and it says, So Moses Moses listened, so Shema, he listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Amen. So it sounds similar to Yeshua. Yeshua came, and he did everything that his father said. He had a mission. He came to complete it, and he listened to everything that his father said. Moses chose capable men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They judged the people all the time. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went on his way to his own land. So what did we learn here throughout this chapter, right? So we learned... That with Zipporah, Zipporah and her two sons, they returned back to Moses. And remember, um, they were descendants of Abraham. So we already know, according to Romans chapter 11, you can write it in your notes, Romans chapter 11, verse 25 through 36, right? We can actually go really quick to read it. Romans 11.
25 to 36, and it says, For I do not want you, brothers and sisters, to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own eyes, that a partial hardening, a partial hardening, so there is, remember, the two houses. You have Judah and you have uh, Israel. And then you have on one side, they have a hardening of the heart, right? But when the time comes, that heart is going to turn into a heart of flesh. Has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer shall come out of Zion. He shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the good news, they are hostile for your sake. But concerning chooseness, they are loved on account of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you once were disobedient, just how once we were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy, and we have been shown mercy to be able to know and, and see the truth about Torah, amen, because of their disobedience, in like manner, these also have now been disobedient with the result that because of the mercy shown to you, so we were shown mercy, right, they also may receive mercy. For God has shut up all in disobedience so that he might show mercy to all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how incomprehensible his ways. For who has known the mind of Adonai or who has been his counselor or who has first given to him that it shall be repaid to him for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So we've learned here that we're going to be going back. We're going to be going back to the promised land. The, the one that, was, that God spoke about with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. We're going to be going back. And we're going to come and we're going to gather together and we're going to be one nation. We're going to be one nation. So here we've learned how we need to Shema. Right? We need to Shema to God's word. We need to surround ourselves with the right people. Amen. And we need to stay connected uh, to Yahweh through prayer and his word. Amen. So I pray that you guys received in this Torah portion. May each and every single one of you be blessed. Shalom, shalom to all. And thank you so much for joining. Amen.